Uh, we're going to be in Luke 6. Um, I don't want to ruin the surprise there, sorry. Uh, but I'm going to tell you, tonight's encounter is aimed directly at those of us who call ourselves followers. So if you would call yourself a disciple, uh, Jesus is speaking right at you. And I want you to know a common theme throughout the Bible is that God wants you to know with great clarity where you stand with him. He doesn't want it to be a big mystery. And then when you're 84 and you die, like, did I make it? Was the prayer real? Did I, did I live good enough? He wants you to have great clarity now on where you stand with him. And in this text, Jesus encounters people who I think are a bit confused at where they stand because they, they look Christian. So tonight I invite you to listen as Jesus speaks in very clear terms concerning what we're building our lives around and the implications of that building. So that's what this is tonight about. What are you building your life on? You're building it on something. And it's one of only two types of foundations. And Jesus teaches us about it tonight. Luke 6, starting in verse 46. I'll read to verse 49. This is Jesus talking to people. And he says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he's like. He's like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when a flood arose, the stream broke against that house and could not shake it because it had been well built. But the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. And when the stream broke against it, immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. Let's pray. Uh, God, we need your help. If we, for the next few minutes, just listen to a man talk, then no one in this room leaves changed. Lord, what we need, what we are begging for is a miracle that, that, that your spirit show up in this room, and it breathed life into people who don't have life. They might think that they have life. They might think that they can see. They might think that they can hear. Lord, would you actually give life, give sight, give hearing, and use your word to do it? And you will delight to use a clown like myself. Lord, we're broken. We all are, and we are in need of you. Delight to speak tonight. We ask it only in Christ's name. Amen. I have always been fascinated with uh, architecture and construction. I just have. Um, It's amazing to me the concept of taking this undeveloped piece of land and and building something on it. You know, just something in the woods, and three years later, it's a strip mall, or it's, you know, a nice subdivision, or it's a high-rise. It's just always intrigued me, the, the planning that goes into building the process of building it, I love it. You know, this church right across from Briarcrest, I don't know where I'm pointing, over there somewhere. Um, you know, it took maybe a year or so to build. And I actually, I, I enjoyed it. Every day I'd pass by, something else was added. You know, you have them clearing the land. You have the guys with the levels out there. Then you have them laying the foundation. Then you have some wood going up. Then the sheetrock. And I'm just fascinated by that. It intrigues me. And there's really two ways that you can build. When you're building anything, there's two ways that you can build. You can build quick and cheap. Like, hey, we're going to get this done, and we're going to, we're going to make it look okay. We're going to do it quick, and we're going to do it cheap. Or you can do slow and costly. 
you know what? We're going to do it the right way. It's going to take a long time. We're going to build slow and costly. Well, Jesus gets this concept. He gets it, and he actually uses it. This is what our text is. It's an illustration to point out the difference in people who hear Jesus, maybe like Jesus, listen to Jesus, and then those who actually do what he says. Our big idea tonight is this, encountering Jesus. When you encounter, when you meet Jesus, you move from just hearing his words to doing his words. The implications of this are unbelievably important. Believers move from just hearing Jesus to doing what he says. Here's the context of this encounter. Jesus, he's talking to a large group of people after he's preached the Sermon on the Mount, a very famous sermon. And he's kind of breaking it down, and there's kind of different groups of people. There's his 12 disciples who are probably on the front row. There's kind of a middle group who are maybe self-proclaimed disciples. Like they're like, uh, yeah, we're with you. So you have one group, the 12 disciples. They are totally sold out. They've literally left everything to, to go and follow Jesus. They found him to be the true source of life. Then you have this middle group. They're kind of like, uh, we're kind of still sizing you up to see if you really come through. But, like, we're disciples. Like, we like you. We're following you. And then there, it says there was a great multitude kind of on the outskirts. These are kind of the people going, eh, I just want to see a magic show. Like, you know, I, I just want some fun. If you have some, uh, some stuff to give me, then maybe I'll be interested in your message. You know what all that sounds like to me? You know what that mix of people sounds like to me? It sounds like the American church. It sounds like uh, Gracie Van. Uh, it sounds like Mike's Place. Now, I don't know if you would consciously put yourself in one of those categories, but this is the kind of varied audience that Jesus is speaking to. So I want to jump right in, and I want to see what is Jesus communicating to this mixed audience, and, and, and what is he trying to say about building your life? You know, that those who build where there's a foundation and build with no foundation, and the storm comes, and what, what is all of that? Hopefully we can make some sense of it. The first thing I want you to see is this, coming, hearing, doing. Look at verse 46. Jesus says this, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I tell you? This is kind of Jesus' big point of his own sermon. He's talking to people who go, Yay, Jesus is here. Yay, I'm a follower. I'm a disciple. He's going, Wait, hold on, hold on. Why do you call me Lord? Which, calling me Lord implies this. That means I have kingship over your life. If you were to say Jesus is Lord of my life, that means that you have transferred your own kingship of your life. Like, hey, I've got my little kingdom here. I'm the king. I decide what I want to do, who I want to be, my desires. They rule me. So so when someone is Lord, Jesus comes in as Lord. That means I've transferred my kingship to you. You're now the boss. You're now the master. You're now the Lord. You're now the king. So he's going, wait, so you're saying that, that I have authority over you, that I have kingship over all of your life, and yet it's not showing up in your actual living at all. I mean, do you see that disconnect? Lord, Lord, wait, why, why are you calling me that? I'm not, you rule over you. It's you. You're still the king. And then in verse 47, Jesus kind of lays out for us the process of what being a true disciple actually looks like. Everyone who comes to me, 
and hears my words and does them. That's kind of the process here. The first thing that happens is a coming to Jesus. Um, that's kind of what's happening now. That's, that's like us being in range to, to hear from Jesus, to, to learn about Jesus, to meet Jesus, to, to listen to his claims. That's what's happening now. That's what happens on Sundays. That's what happens anytime you open up the word of God, anytime you're at a Bible study. That's, that's, that's okay. We, we're, we're coming near to, to listen, to investigate, to learn. How are you going to hear or do if you're not even in the ballpark? You know, if you're not near, if you're not, if there's not a coming to. And then the next thing he says, those who, who, who come to me and then those who hear, like an actual listening. Uh, how many of you have flown recently in the last year? You've been on an airplane. Okay, hopefully not United Airlines, but if that's the case, God, God bless you. Okay, so you know how it goes, right? You sit down, you buckle up. Well, you've probably not even buckled up yet by this point. Um, you're frantically trying to get that last tweet out, you know, before the flight attendant tells you, airplane mode, you know, you're like selfie, like, spring break 2005, you know, like, ah. Uh. So you're trying to get that last tweet off. The flight attendant then comes on and starts doing what? They start giving a little safety spiel. You know, and just in case you've never ridden in a car since 1964, they let you know how to work a seatbelt. Because we don't know. I mean, those things are tricky, right? So, did any of you actually listen? Heck no. I mean, what are you doing? You're texting away. You're tweeting away. The newspaper goes up. The laptop comes out. You know, you hear in the background, blah, 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 in case of a water landing, blah, 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 this and that. Uh, I mean, you hear English words. Uh, albeit very broken English words if you were on that last flight from Houston to Memphis with us on Honduras, but you hear English words, you're not listening, you're not paying attention, I and mean, it's going to be the worst job. This flight attendant's up there just, you know, preaching her little heart away about what happens if you hit a mountain, like, eh, I'm going to be dead, forget it, you know, and you're not listening, it's just noise. Well, guys, what's scary is that that's how God's word sounds to many of you. Literally right now in this moment, that's how it sounds to some of you. You're going, all right, gosh, the dude's got 10 minutes. Like, you know, you don't care. You're not comprehending. You're not actually listening. It sounds like a flight attendant at the front of an airplane. In case of a water landing, the bottom of your seat is a flotation device. That's how many of you interact with God's word. It's just noise. Uh, I love the way that a guy named Philip Ryken, he describes hearing Here's what he says. Hearing involves paying careful attention to the things that Jesus says, meditatively concentrating on the meaning of his words, and prayerfully considering their implications in your life. Are you doing that? Is that what you show up to do when you're at a Bible study? Is that what you show up to do on Sundays or Wednesdays? Is that the kind of hearing? I want to I listen carefully. What is this text saying? What is it calling me to? What is it, what is it challenging me to do? And then am I meditating on it? And then am I prayerfully considering, what are the implications for my life? Like right now, like tonight, what could I be doing differently? But guys, coming and hearing, those, those two things aren't enough. Yay, yeah, you came to the show. Uh, yay, you, you took notes, you know, maybe implying that you were hearing, but... Here's Jesus' question. Is it showing up? Are we doing? 
Uh, for example, I taught on loving others out of the book of 1 John a week and a half ago, Sunday, October 11th. Here's a quick little litmus test. Has there been even an ounce more love in your life since October 11th? Since God's word was, was presented, since it was exposited, and, and, and hopefully the Holy Spirit took those words, he pressed them into your heart, and you were convicted? Man, man, I'm, I'm not a very loving person. Has even an ounce showed up in a week and a half? You know, every time we truly hear the word of God, we have to resolve to act upon it. And, you know, most times it's not going to be this big dramatic thing. It's not going to be like, you know, Landon preached on murder tonight, and I'm going to resolve to quit murdering, you know. I'm not going to murder any more people tonight. I want to go make a Facebook status about how I'm out of the murdering business. It's probably not going to be big and dramatic. You know what it's more going to look like? It's going to be seemingly small and kind of mundane. It's going to be like, snap. The Holy Spirit was kind of bothering me while Landon was preaching. And you know what? I was a jerk to my mom. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go home and apologize. That's, that's doing the word of God. You know what? Um, I do probably need to show more appreciation for that friend who, who helped me through that really weird time. You know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send them a text. You know what? I do need to love my friend better and lovingly maybe challenge her on some of the ways that she's living or her views on, you know, boys or dating or whatever. You know, um, I need to apologize tonight to that person. You know, I need to finally, once and for all, I need to forgive that person. That's doing you want to know, like, what does it mean to, to do the word of God? It's doing. It's when God's spirit is prompting you, when the Holy Spirit is speaking to you as I preach, not going, notes, done. Okay, cool. That was a good sermon. That was fun. Mike's place is great. Wednesday night, pick me up. Cool. Back into life. It's hearing. It's contemplating. It's going. There's a hearing. There's a doing. That is stepping into true discipleship. Guys, don't wait for Colorado. Okay, don't wait for college. Don't wait for a, a deathbed moment. Hear and do. Next point is this, slow and costly building. So Jesus is saying, he gives this picture, he gives this awesome illustration of what this kind of person looks like who doesn't just go, all right, Jesus, I hear you. There's just some cool concepts. But I hear you and I deeply want to do what you're calling me to. Here's what that person looks like. And then he gives us this illustration. He says their life will be solid as a rock because they've built up a foundation. Has anyone in this room ever been to Scotland? Some of you, yes. Scotland's an awesome place. Um, beautiful, beautiful country. Uh, in 1770, there's a guy named Thomas Hill. He was poor. Um, he grabbed a pick, a hammer, uh, and a chisel, and he climbed over... Uh, he climbed this cliff that's overlooking the Nid Valley because here's what he wanted to do. He wanted to build a safe house for his family. Didn't have a ton of money. Um, you know, he had built this little cottage. It had fallen down. This thing takes it away. So he's like, I want to build something that's going to be sturdy for my family. So he takes a hammer, a chisel, and a pick, and he climbs up. And just there's a sheer limestone rock face. And he starts, he's going to dig into it and build a house for his family. Well, guess what? He did that. Guess how long it took him? 16 years. 
It took him 16 years, longer than many of you have been alive, to build a house for his family. He goes, there's limestone, he just starts digging in, pecking away at it, slow and steady. Takes him 16 years and he builds what you would probably imagine is a pretty dang sturdy house. Because you know what? It's still there. 245 years later, this house is still there. Why do I tell you that? Here's why. Building like that comes at a great cost. I mean, years of blood, sweat, toil, tears, scars, wounds, questions. You think you get tired after 16 years? Is this thing going to work? Good grief. That's what it takes to build on rock. Here's my application for you guys. Living this Christian life is far from quick and cheap building. That's not what you get into when God calls you to himself in salvation. He doesn't go, it's going to be quick, it's going to be painless, it's going to be cheap, it's not going to cost you anything, and it's just going to be great. Go throw up a house, you know, right on the coast where it's sandy and the waves are coming. Building on the rock is hard work. It's costly work. It, it takes discipline, guys. Think about it. This is a simple book in some ways, but it's a really complex, hard book in some ways. It takes discipline to understand it, to get it, to apply it, doesn't it? It takes patience to wait on God when there's seemingly radio silence. It takes patience to pray, doesn't it? It takes courage to to try to fight and kill the sin that we love so dearly. It takes sacrifice to serve other people instead of our own selves. Dedication to keep fighting the fight when maybe you just don't feel it. You don't feel like fighting. That takes dedication. But what's happening over a, a slow period of time is that you're digging in. You're digging roots. You're digging into a rock that will not be blown over when the waves come. You know, when I read this story, I mean, when I read this passage, I can visualize It's just the way my brain works. I can visualize two houses with two openers, two owners. And on a sunny day, they look virtually the same. You know, the the, the one on the beach, right by the waves, it's like, you know what? It's the guy who gets out of the car and is like, man, I can have a house up in a few weeks. I'm going to go and do it. I'm going to throw some carpet down, four walls, a lava lamp, and I'm going to be donezo, you know? And then there's the other guy going... That seems appealing to do it the easy way, to do it the cheap way. But I'm going to go and I'm going to make sure I'm picking the right spot and I'm going to get rebar and I'm going to build a foundation the right way and I'm going to dig down deep. And it's going to be hard. I'm going to have to get a shovel and I'm going I'm to dig down deep. And at times it's not going to make sense because this other guy's over here. His house is up. He's partying. And you're over there going, gosh, I haven't even gotten, you know, any wood up yet. And it's been years. Do you know why I love and why I do and have done for years this job in student ministry? It's for this reason. You're just now starting to dig. And it's going to show up. Sometimes it doesn't make a lot of sense. 
You're, you're in this season where you're starting to dig, and it's going to show up. This season that you're in, sometimes your faithfulness, your, your quiet, humble, maybe sometimes unseen or untalked about faithfulness, it might seem to go unnoticed or not show up or matter. But then, when the storms of life come, we get to see who you are. And it shows up. Years of digging down into the rock shows up. To the world, you're digging as a high school student, as a college student, is pointless. They're going, look over here, you morons. We're in a house that's standing up fine, and we did it a lot easier and cheaper and quicker. Guys, if you hear nothing else, hear this tonight. Your digging into the rock of Jesus Christ is never pointless. Even when you feel like you're missing opportunities, you're not really living the life that you know you deserve, digging into the rock, as hard as it might be, as mundane as it might be, is never pointless. It will all show up. It'll show up when the breakup happens, if you've dug into the rock. It'll show up when college doesn't really crack up to be what you thought it was when it disappoints you. It'll show up when you're lonely in life. It'll show up when someone that you deeply care about hurts you. It'll show up when someone you deeply care about care about dies. Digging into the rock, it'll show up when the test result comes back and it says cancer. It'll show up when you fail, when you mess up miserably. But because you've dug into the rock, you confidently run to the cross and you're not crushed. Why? Because you're in the rock. Yeah, a lot of your friends, a lot of your peers, they have their houses up and they seem to be doing fine. You're like, man, this fighting sin thing, this hanging in there thing, this pursuit of holiness thing, it's hard. Understanding scripture, setting aside time in my day to commune with God, to pray, to seek wise counsel. Man, they seem to be fine just doing their thing, cheap and easy. But when the waves come and no one escapes the waves, the one left standing is the one that's been dug down deep. You know, generally houses that are built along the coast are built a lot better than houses inland. Y'all know the weird house uh, down on 30A? You know what I'm talking about, the weird one. I got a picture of it. Have you ever, has anyone ever seen this house? Yes? Man, just looking at that picture gives me the feels. I want to be down there so bad right now. So this house, we started going down to, to Rosemary Beach literally the year after we got married. So 2006, that thing had already been up for like 10 years and it still wasn't done. I mean, it seriously, like, just got done maybe two, three years ago or something like that. Like, we talked to a lot of the locals about it, and, you know, they have all these stories and everything. But that house, it ain't going anywhere. I mean, they say it's, like, hurricane-proof. It's amazing. But it took a long time and a lot of money to build this place. Why are houses that are along the coast built more sturdy? Well, they just assume that the storm is going to come. Friend, let me tell you this. The storm is going to come. I don't care who you are. I don't care what you believe. The storm is going to come. The waves are going to come. We need to be building as if our lives are along the coast. 
digging deep roots. It's costly work, guys, but Jesus tells us whoever loses his life will find it. Let me quickly close up shop with this last point. I'm a little over here. So what happens to the person who hears Jesus but does not do what he says? The one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built his house on the ground without a foundation. Really easy, really cheap, really quick. But when the stream broke against it, immediately it fell and the ruin of that house was great. How do we know which house had a solid foundation and which one was rushed and sloppy? Because in the sun, they both look the same. And we're going, well, that one took three weeks to build. That one took like 13 years. They look the same. How do we know which one was real? How do we know which one had a solid foundation? What is the test? Here's the test, the storm. Trouble. When life is easy breezy, it's hard to determine what's under the hood. But wait until the storm comes. Hey, skip your time with the Lord tomorrow or the next day or the next day. Skip it. That's easy, right? Because there's easier stuff that we can be doing. Don't fellowship with other believers in a meaningful way. That's, that's easy. That's cheap. Stay close to kind of the upper middle class American high school game plan. That's comfortable. It's safe. It's fun. You can build up a pretty nice looking little castle for yourself right along the shore with that game plan, honestly. My question is this. Is that the kind of life that you're building? Yeah, I've come to Jesus. Yay, I'll listen to Jesus. Are you doing what he says? Is it showing up? Because the easy life, the cheap and the easy building, it leads to destruction, not just here, eternal destruction. Or are you digging down deep? I'll tell you, one of the greatest delights of my soul is to see a high school student digging down deep. And when these little storms come and they're going to get bigger as life goes on. And because they're in the rock, they're okay. They're okay. Is that the kind of life that you've built? 1 Corinthians 3.11 tells us, For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Digging down deep is hard. It's painful at times. It's lonely at times. It's mysterious at times. I'll close with this. There was a Scottish preacher. His name was John uh, Arthur John Gossip, and he loved his wife, and she suddenly died. Loved his wife, she suddenly died, and upon his return to the pulpit to preach for the first time, here's what he said. Standing here in the roaring of the Jordan, like the river, so oh, I hear the water rushing. It is just roaring cold to the heart with death's dreadful chill and very conscious of the, uh, of the terror of its rushing. So I know. I know what it feels like. I'm there. I hear it. And he says, I can call back to you who one day in your time will have to cross it and say, I can tell you this. Listen, be of good cheer, my friend, for I feel the bottom and it is sound. He's been leveled. This guy's at the very bottom, but because he's dug down there, he can confidently report back that, hey, it's solid down here. Is that the kind of building that you're up to?
Are you building the entirety of your life, not just the big moments, but the everyday Wednesday night at 8.30 little moments? Are you building your life on the rock? Let me pray. Father, Lord, this is a hard text because it tells us very clearly that people who look like they have a steady and a together and a sturdy house might be living a sham. And that's hard, Lord. We need discernment to know who are we. Lord, would you use other people in our lives to tell us? Would you use your spirit to just bother us? Just pursue us. Talk to us. Lord, we thank you for these passages that are clear warnings. That we can't just stop at showing up and taking notes. Lord, we have to do. Will you give us the grace, Lord, at a young age like this to dig down deep, even when it doesn't seem to make a lot of sense to the culture, to our peers. Let us do the hard work of digging down deep. So that when the waves come, and Lord, they will come, Lord, we find ourselves unmoved, unshaken, because we're on the rock. We love you. We ask these things only in Christ Jesus' name. Amen.